Welcome to this week's edition of the Eye of the Swarm podcast, your deep dive into the world of Yellow Jacket Athletics right here on the campus of the University of Wisconsin-Superior. He's the big sound, Matt Johnson. I'm John Garver, and we are fresh out of a lengthy discussion about the attractions of the Mall of the America, and you'll, you'll learn a little bit more about some of that in the next segment of the podcast this week. But uh, everything from roller coasters to century-old tortoises and everything in between is what we touched on here in about the last 10 minutes before we started, uh, before we hit record. It's a strange place. <laughs> I, 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 you know, there's no other way to describe it. There's the, you know, I've, I've had many a meal where I've sat in a nice restaurant because Mall of America does have a couple of really nice restaurants where I've sat there and I've had a very nice sandwich, you know, some gourmet fries, maybe a side like Caesar salad, a nice glass of wine, tablecloth, white napkin, nice silverware where I'll take a bite of my sandwich and all of a sudden a, a roller coaster goes by with kids <laughs> screaming at the top of their lungs. And then you can start the timer and find out and time it because within five or ten minutes it's going to happen again. Right. <laughs> it's a, so it's a strange place. I, I you know I don't know any other place in Minnesota that you can do that and have that particular I'm not, combination. I don't know if there's any place else. Can't do it at Valley Fair, I can tell you that. No, I don't know if there's any place else in the country where you could actually do that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, I, I could sit there and, and sample from their, you know, their craft beer, you know, tap, and we can do a full wine tasting there at that restaurant. It's called Napa Valley Grill. It's a good place. And there's also the California Cafe, which also is there. And you can do it in both those places and yet have the thrill of having ages 3 to 12 screaming in a <laughs> roller coaster going flying by you in 15 seconds and then time it again in another five minutes. It'll happen again with a whole different group of them doing it. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's very unique. I don't know how <laughs> else to describe that. That's And not to mention the tortoises and underwater world. Right. So, you know, all of that and within a probably, what, mile and a half, you know, I guess. What, what would be the I mean, the I, I was surprised I to learn through this whole conversation about the Mall of America that each floor is a mile. Yep, it is. I was very surprised to learn that. I had no idea. Yep. I mean, there's some things that people know about it. You know, the the home plate. Yep. You know, from Memorial Stadium is still there. Um, Met Stadium, thank Met you. Met Stadium, yep. Uh, good good catch. Yep. Um, and also the <laughs> the random seat hanging on the wall inside of, is it actually called now Camp Nickelodeon or what is it? Is it Nickelodeon? It was Nickelodeon Universe. Is that what it is? It was okay. Camp Snoopy for Yeah, it was a Camp long Snoopy time. for a long time. Yeah. And then it was Nickelodeon Universe. I'm not sure if it's still that or not. I think it is. Yeah. So But there's some odd markers in there, like that that random seat hanging on the wall. Of course that's the one where like you said, Harmon Kilbrew hit his five hundredth home 500th run. Home run, yeah. And then home plate. It was either his five hundredth home run or it was the longest home run ever hit at Met Stadium. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, it's one of which. those two. I want to say it was the 500 Because when you get down to home plate, and the first time I was ever in that building, that was my whole mission was to find the location of home plate of Met Stadium. Yep. And then to see that seat up there, you just go, man. Right. That is one long home run. That is very long. And, and yeah, you can look up because it's the only seat hanging on the wall. Yeah, it's it's (laughs) a bright red seat on a white wall. You can't miss it. Yep, exactly. And they, they did a nice job highlighting it. But just the amount of traffic that place gets is incredible to me. I, I... I just, I have, for those of us who grew up with it. That's too much congestion for me. Yeah. It's, I mean, and they're adding on to it, which it seems a little superfluous to me, really. Do you really need to add more? But, you know, I mean. I mean, you're, they're. Capitalism, baby. Yeah. (laughs) You know, they're they're trying to grab people and keep them there for an entire weekend. So, 
Right, yeah, but know, I mean, I get the unique uh, you know experience of sitting at the California Cafe, having a, a gourmet burger, and having kids go by you on a roller coaster screaming. <laughs> it's just you know, it's fabulous. <laughs> I look forward to when my kid is old enough to be on roller coasters. Oh boy, I why well, are you that dad? I, that, I, I love him. I was about to say, are you that guy that likes to get on them? Yes, absolutely. Okay, I love a good roller coaster ride. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I do. I'm so. not a big roller coaster guy. So my, my wife doesn't do the roller coaster thing, so it'll be kind of cool. It'll be that you and I, him. I get to be the the uh, theme park father. Oh, boy. And I, I look forward to the day when we, we take a roller coaster. And around. then it, it, once you really get the itch, you take him down to uh, Shakopee sure. through Valley Fair. And, mm-hmm. you know, you just go all full guns a-blazing. Yep. And all, all of the rides. Let's and, ride. Yep, there you go. Let's ride. You know, so... Yeah, just a little <laughs> bit of a tangent there, but a little uh, bit. So yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. Anyway, we did have sports last week. We did. Not we a didn't minute. have a whole lot at home. We didn't have a whole lot in general. Last no, week. it was actually pretty quiet. It week. was a very light week, yeah. but uh, still a couple significant things happened. Most notably with men's soccer. Yep, men's soccer. Uh, another nice win for them, by the way. Uh, they had their third different goaltender be named UMAC Defensive Player of the Week. Yep, that's incredible. I can't imagine anybody in the country's had that. Luck. Probably not. Yeah, I'm guessing not. We'll talk more about that in a second here. But the Jackets rate number seven in the latest United Soccer Coaches North Region top ten rankings. They're holding steady at that ranking, by the yeah, way. Yeah, they're there again this week. But uh, I made a note to see how many of the teams in the top ten the Jackets have played this year. And they've played three of them. So they played number one, Luther, number five, Gustavus Adolphus, and number six, St. Norbert this year. And also okay. uh, St. Thomas is number four, I believe, in that ranking as well. And then Carlton's in there too. So a lot of teams close to us are in that ranking. Well, right and that now. was a very deliberate thing on Coach yeah. Mooney's part, you know, because he we, – we we touch on it with Zach Otto Fisher in the, the coaches segment here today. But he uh, – he Joe up. was very deliberate about loading up yep. that non-conference schedule and making sure that, you know, I, I want to play the best teams that we have around here. And he's done a really good job of that the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you look at that list of teams that's on there, he's played just about everybody on that list at one point or another here within the last four years at least, four or five years. Um, I don't think there's anybody that he hasn't played in there. I mean, Loris right. is in there, Whitewater's in there, um, and there are you know, a couple others as They're well. They're probably the one that he hasn't played because he hasn't played them since they were in the WIAC. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't played the Loris or uh, Whitewater since then. But, um, yeah, I mean, but, yeah, he's familiar with all those programs, and we have played them in the past. So, uh, yeah, like you said. But, again, like you said, it also highlights the level of competition that Coach Mooney uh, – schedules for his team and and how he wants to test them against the best and mm-hmm. you know full props to him for that uh with that having been said the jackets have won their last six now and they defeated st john's and what we thought was going to be a, a knockdown drag out affair down in collegeville turned out to be just that jackets won it one nothing on a second half goal that was on saturday october 26th uws scored the game's only goal in the second half of that game as i mentioned scott wilson the Scottish central defender transfer for the L Jackets, scoring his first career goal as a jacket from the penalty spot at 64-37. UWS made it stand up the rest of the way. There were four yellow cards given in that match, three of them against St. John's. And Felix Blick for the L Jackets picked up one with two seconds left on the clock. Wonder what he said. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he got his at 89-58. I don't know what. <laughs> it's a, it's always a, a pretty full-blooded affair when... Yeah, the, the two teams have got a history. Play. Yeah, it's got there's a there's a history there. They've played each other just about every year now, I think, for the last 
what, five or six, I think. Uh, I, I, it might yeah. be longer than that. Yeah, I mean, but St. John's is always on the schedule. Yep. Um, and so the two programs have gotten to know each other a little bit, and familiarity beats contempt, as this as the saying goes. Mm-hmm. But uh, I didn't count up how many fouls there were. I didn't want to look. Uh, but at the end, the Jackets end up winning at one nothing. St. John's did hold a 19 to 16 edge in shots, including 10 to 7 in shots on goal. Ulrich Lager, the Norwegian, had 10 saves for the Yellow Jackets. And based on that performance, he was named UMAC Men's De- Soccer Defensive Player of the Week. Third Yellow Jacket keeper to be named, named Defensive Player of the Week this season. Dalton Van Canel took home the honor on September 2nd, and Peyton Anderson on October 14th. So the Jackets, all three goalies that have seen significant playing time now, have been named UMAC Defensive Player of the Week at one point or another this year. So very impressive. It, it's impressive and it's interesting. And I, I, I'd be curious you know, to float that one out to the Division Three membership and go, hey, has, has anybody else had this happen? Not just this year, ever. Yeah. Has anybody else had this happen? Because I, I think the number would be pretty small. I would guess. I, I can't imagine that there's another program that has had that. I mean, there might be. But, uh, yeah, that would be an interesting you know, email or, or, or question to ask, certainly. And, that, like I said, the Jackets now 13-3-2. They've got one more regular season game. That's a actually make-up from a postponement earlier in the year before they take the number one seed with them into the UMAC tournament. Um, they'll be next at home on November 6th. We'll talk about that, of course, uh, as we get closer to the date. But, uh, boy, uh, impressive! another impressive campaign for Coach Moody and the boys. Uh, 13 wins and counting right now and looking yep. to make it back to the NCAA tournament, possibly for a third straight season. Right. So that's where they stand. Uh, women's soccer didn't even play in the yeah, time. They've, they've been off. Yeah, they've been off for the last – ever since we – well, ever since uh, last podcast when yeah, we so did that game. Last Tuesday on the 22nd, and, yeah, they they probably not a bad thing. No, they were pretty banged up. They were a little bit banged up, so it was probably a good time for them to get a little bit of a – of a bye week, I guess, for lack of a better word. Yeah, they were playing a little bit shorthanded against Northwestern in the last time out. That was that one nothing loss that we talked about. Uh, by the way, I looked it up. Uh, Madison Gudekun set that record against Bethel. Okay. Yeah, it was 19 saves against Bethel, and she evened it, of course, against Northwestern last time out, 19 stops. Uh, so the Jackets sitting uh, right where they were last time we were on so these airwaves. They're off. Cross yep. country's off. Yeah, it was it was <laughs> weird. You know, but they are playing today. We'll talk about that in the, in the, yeah, the later so that, segment, though. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll they are playing that. today, so their week off is coming to an end later right. this afternoon. Women's volleyball played two matches last week. They split their two matches, by the way, and they've got one more set to go before they go in the UMAC tournament. We'll talk more about that, of course, as the podcast goes along. There are two matches that they split. They lost to Northwestern 3-1 to on St. Paul on Wednesday before sweeping North Central in three straight sets in Minneapolis on Saturday. Against Northwestern, they lost, like I said, three sets to one, 17-25, 22-25, 27-25, and 19-25. That game played at the Erickson Center down in St. Paul. The Eagles hit 166 from the match. Jackets hit 110. Cammie Sleda, 22 kills, hit 283, so they rode her pretty pretty hard in that match. Gina Barch, 26 assists. Megan Holes also had 19 assists. Yana Carrera continues to play really well at the libero spot, 38 digs. Bradley Colligan also had 13 more digs for the Yellow Jackets. And against North Central on Saturday, like I said, three straight sets for the Yellow Jackets. 25-12, 25-14, 25-12 again. UWS hitting 300 for the match while holding the Rams to negative 033 hitting. Another negative (laughs) hitting percentage for the match. That's a tough one. Gina Barge, 6 kills, 10 assists. Megan Holes, 10 kills. Yana Carrera, 14 digs. So that's... How they were, men's and women's cross country. Like I said, both teams are off, although they do have a big event coming this weekend. We'll talk more about that as well. 
and uh, UMAC tournament for the women's volleyball team. They're already locked into where they're going to be. So yep, we'll talk more about that as well. But yeah, other than that, there were a couple of exhibitions played by the men's hockey team. A couple of scrimmages. I know you got a chance to look at them. And uh, uh, how do they look, Mr. Garber? You know, we we did a little training with some some student employees at the game on on Friday night against Saint Scholastica, and you know the the first period was absolutely fantastic. It's one of the best periods I've seen in a, in a number of years, and. You know, as the the game went on, they they lost their footing a little bit, and Saint Scholastica got better as the game went on. It ultimately ended up in a five five tie. Okay. Um, you know, the Yellow Jackets gave up three a three goal lead in the third period, which okay. obviously is something you want to remedy before you get into games that count. But it was an opportunity to see. You know, he, he's got ten new players in the roster, yeah. so it was an opportunity for him to see some. Some of these young guys, some of these newcomers in, in different roles. and uh, I'm assuming everybody played. <laughs> yeah, everybody played at least one of the two. Okay. Because they played St. Scholastic on Friday night. They played Finlandia on, on Saturday afternoon. And uh, a lot of the returning guys did not play in that one. Ended up being a 5-2 win. Okay. Um, but a lot of the returning guys did not play. So okay. that was a further opportunity to get a chance to see these young guys put into different roles, whether it's now you're a top six forward. Now you're on a power play. Now you're on the penalty kill. Okay. Uh, chance to see both of the freshman goaltenders play. So I didn't get to see that whole one. Um, it was my son's first ever hockey game, and it had about enough. By about the <laughs> midpoint, he was ready to go home. So that was the the end of our day there. I didn't get a chance to see everything, but uh, you know, I, I think there's I think there's a lot to look forward to. Okay. With with this group right now, and I'm just I'm I'm really excited to see where. Where, where they're going to come in at. And then uh, I know the women's team, they played two last weekend as well. They did right. a home-and-home home with St. Scholastica, and they lost, I believe, 5-3 on Friday at St. Scholastica, and on Saturday afternoon they won, and I believe it was 3-2. to two, Okay. I believe. Okay. Um, but I, I didn't see that one. I was okay. On, I was on baby duty at that time, so that was, I, we weren't quite ready to leave the house at that point and uh, ended up just making it up there for a period of the men's game that day. So I know he, Coach Laughlin, doesn't have as many newcomers that he has to Just get four, I with think, his right? system. He's got four new players yeah. this year, and that's it. So um, a veteran team. Right. And hopefully we'll overcome some of those bumps in the road that they've had the last couple of years. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, you know, splitting two games with St. Glasgow isn't a bad thing. No. Uh, that Glasgow team was pretty good last year, as mm-hmm. we saw. Um, but, uh, yeah, they brought back a lot of players from last year, which is a good thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess you know, for those of us who are from afar, looking at the women's team, just looking for them to score some more goals. Yep. And if they can do that, then you know, there's no reason to believe that uh, they won't uh, come back with a stronger season. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, we're in that weird part of the year now where everything's on a crossover. Yeah, it's definitely know? crossover season. Yeah, so uh, hence the reason why we're asking about these exhibitions that these teams are playing because the women's hockey actually starts their season this week. Yeah, they're they're playing this weekend yeah. for real. So, and then men are the next week, I think. Right. And both basketballs also are playing exhibitions in the coming week. So, yeah, the men's basketball team played on Saturday at St. Mary's. Okay, an exhibition, and I haven't seen Greg since since I was on campus here today. So I don't know how what how the it result went. was of that one either. Okay, yeah, but uh, yeah, we're in the crossover, uh, and the weather's changing, and so is the athletic season. So, it is. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun, but. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that was your jacket roundup right there. Not a lot going on, but there will be quite a bit happening actually between now and our next podcast, and we'll talk more about that, of course, in the final segment. So, 
We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will catch up with one of the coaches of those crossover teams, the uh, head coach of the Yellow Jacket Women's Basketball Program, Zach Otto Fisher, when the Eye of the Swarm continues right after this. Sports broadcasts on 91.3 FM are made possible in part by Barker's Island Inn of Superior. The Barker's Waterfront Grill offers breakfast, lunch, and dinner overlooking the harbor. More at BarkersIslandInn.com. Northern Wisconsin's Island Getaway. We're back on the Eye of the Swarm podcast, and we're very happy to be joined in this segment by the Yellow Jacket head women's basketball coach, Zach Otto Fisher, the the Autobot, if you will. There we go. I got the smirk out of him right <laughs> off the bat. So, uh, Coach, thanks for stopping up and spending a few minutes with us on the, the I guess, not really the eve, but the dawning of the 1920 season. And uh, fair to say that after graduation the last couple of years, team probably going to have a different look and conference wise might they be going okay this is finally the year that somebody's going to slay the dragon you know as a coach you don't want that but I would think so I mean we graduated you know four good senior five seniors two years ago and then last year you know you graduate Hannah Norland and Taylor Kane and Katie White so on paper yeah this is our year that we're you know everybody's like oh you got to rebuild and I'm like no we have to reload not rebuild but I mean the conference got very very strong Morris brought in some good transfers Northwestern brought in some good players um, Bethany brought in good players I mean Top to bottom, everybody brought in players. So, yeah, we're going to definitely have to work. As we said yesterday at practice, we actually have to coach really hard this year to make sure that we're, you know, fundamentally sound. So, It's, it's hard, I imagine, to – well, I don't have to imagine. You've got four consecutive UMAC Player of the Year winners that have come through the program. Granted, it's only two people. But those two players carried the mail a lot for you over the first handful of years that, that we've been in the UMAC. So – there, there's really no way to replace that production, I wouldn't think, unless you're not telling us about a recruit coming in that's going to absolutely blow our doors off when, when she hits the floor. Well, if, if she's out there, you know, please, uh, my office is 2436, come up, find me. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, every year when, when we graduated Haley Cotney, you know, and that group of players, it was like, all right, we're going to go down. And then Hannah Norlin just stepped right up. And, I mean, on, on paper last year was a phenomenal season. If you would have said that going, you know, earlier in the year that we were going to have that, I would have been like, okay, yeah, whatever. You know, we weren't going to. But the girls just really bought into the team concept. And I think on paper, and I'll say it, I think Eva Reinerson can be conference player of the year this year. There's no reason why she can't. I mean, she came in as a freshman and was, you know, rookie of the year, freshman year, you know, had a great year last year. And I think, you know, she really can step up. And so I look at that saying, hey, every year, who wants to step up on our team? And if, you know, you're put in the right spot, you can be very successful in the conference. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to say we don't have the talent because we do. We we have, you know, Emily Carpenter as a senior stepping up. We have juniors in there. I mean, we have Ellie Leedstrom's. Um, we do have really, really good freshmen coming in, and they're going to push tempo, and they're going to push some of those juniors and seniors to be like, hey, I better, you know, step up my game right now. And I'm very excited. I, I think we do have some future first-team, second-team conference players in that freshman group. Let's talk about that group because uh, you, you mentioned a few of the returning players by name, and we're obviously familiar with them because they played a lot of minutes over the, the first few years that – that we've been in the UMAC, but talk to me about some of these these newcomers coming in. Who are the ones that we're going to see right away that are, are going to not necessarily have to carry the mail, yep. but are going to play a pretty significant role right out of the chute, and then maybe some of those other ones that, you know, by the holiday break, by the second semester, we're going we're gonna to see them quite a bit too. 
You know, in all honesty, I see one through seven of the freshmen all playing minutes. They're all going to contribute. I think as a coach every year, you have to bring in players that are going to, you know, you know, push the envelope a little bit and say, hey, I want these minutes, you know, just as well. You have to bring that in. Otherwise, you're never going to get better as a program. For me, I think, you know, we bring in two posts, Kaya Davies from Aiken, um, phenomenal player, can play a four or five spot. And then Destiny Haldeman, who's a true five coming from Menominee. Um, those two are going to have to step in just based on graduating, you know, Hannah and Taylor. You lose bigs, you got to replace them with bigs. Um, we have a, a freshman, Maddie Sanders from Centennial High School, who a lefty guard. I mean, they took third at state last year. And those in the, the women's basketball world, she had to guard Paige Beckers, who's going to UConn. You know, and if you can if you can guard a girl like that at the state tournament, I feel like all right, you can pretty I, I've heard much. There are a program that's done a thing or two. Yeah, you know, so you know, <laughs> I watch her and I'm like, okay, if you have to guard her, then I feel comfortable throwing you out against you know teams in our conference. And I think just the mentality and the high IQ that she has is going to help. And then we just have girls, you know, we have Paris from Prior Lake, a big school who you know she, they know how to compete day in and day out. They're not playing small town schools; they're playing big schools every single you know night. Um, you know, we have a girl from Grand Rapids. We love our Grand Rapids girls because you know they. They know how to play and be aggressive, and so we have Libby coming from there. Um, we have another St. Michael girl, Kaylin, who can just shoot lights out, and if she gets going, again, looking at it, Minnetonka last year, playing Minnetonka at Minnetonka, drops five threes in them. So it's like when the players get comfortable and get in our system, I think they can really step up and help. And then our other one is um, Sandy. Cassandra, we call her Sandy. There's too many cuz on our team this year. Um, <laughs> and she, We do. We have a, a Kaya, a Cassandra, a Kasha. We have you know all this, so we have to have nicknames, but she comes from uh, out by St. Cloud, and again, just a long, I always call her our Justine Larson in the making. She's just that girl who's going to really help um, you know, help us this year and for the next four years. You're not always looking one year, you're looking who's going to be here for the next four years, and I hope that this group of freshmen really can be the Amelia, Brittany, Justine, Jade, you know, that group of players that came through. You talked about the whole system thing and them getting comfortable. How long does it take for them to acclimate to that? How long does it take for them to acclimate to the changes between a high school and a college. Because you're talking, you said one through seven. That is a a lot of players that are going to have to make a pretty significant adjustment going from high school to college, isn't it? Yep. I think the biggest thing is just the the pace. I mean, and everybody plays AAU, everybody travels and does all that. But when you get to college, it's just another level. It's controlled chaos. I think AAU summer basketball is the fastest pace you're ever going to play. But the refs don't call anything, and you don't play team ball. It's all about you know getting getting your looks in front of coaches. So getting to college, it's a different pace in a controlled you know in a controlled environment. Um, for them, I think it's just figuring out that bumping is basketball. It's not a foul. Rubbing's racing. Yeah, <laughs> rubbing is racing exactly. And so them getting used to that. And so I mean, girls hit the floor, and you know at high school you might stop and be like, hey, are you okay? What happened? It's like blow the whistle. All right, pick her up. Let's go next drill. And and you do it because you you know you're showing them love. But they've got to get used to that. I think for them. As coaches, you recruit players that are going to fit into your system. And I learned that from Coach Mulhern is you can't just have the most athletic player out there. They have to buy in. And so, you know, for us, we do certain things. We want to push players a certain way, baseline, or push a middle. Well, when we recruit, we look at what girls buy into that system. I think all but one of them um, this year coming in kind of run that same concept for, on defense that they did at their high school. So that really helps because then you're a week ahead already on those um, for us, we put in a brand new offense this year anyway, so freshman, junior, senior, it doesn't matter. They're all on the same page right now, and I think that helps because, you know, typically freshmen feel behind, like, oh, I don't know this, and, you know, the Evas and Carpenters know it. Well, Eva and Carpenter don't know, don't know it either right now because it's brand new. So everybody's on the same, you know, level page, and, and level page, does that sound right? Level. That same yeah. page. Level same page. Yeah. Yeah. You just yeah, invented exactly. your playing own there. field. There you go. And so I, we're all in the same boat. But I think um, hopefully, you know, by Christmas, everybody's just kind of understanding each other's play and they can play off each other. As a freshman, you have no expectations. So go out there and just 
make make positive plays hopefully well it's you know it's interesting uh i've been uh of course uh, had a front uh, front row seat shall we say for watching the team win these five straight no conference titles going all the way back to the wyack years and you know you talked about adjusting the offense putting in a new offense this year um you know one of the things that a good program does is they adjust to the personnel that they have and that they recruit in um you know for the first two or three of those years definitely at least uh, where we were winning conference championships, it was a backcourt-oriented system, basically, where you were relying on the guards to score. Then last year, it became a little bit more balanced because you had the player of the year in the middle mm-hmm. or at the four spot with Hannah, and then everything played from the inside out. Now you're going back from to the outside in again. So it's interesting to see that, that kind of dynamic, and if you could just uh, kind of highlight how that process works for you in terms of, of you know assessing the personnel that you have and then deciding what how you're going to run your offense because it's interesting to see it every year how the, how the plays change a little bit and everybody has to tweak their game depending on the on the on the personnel that you have well, if you ask my brother, he goes, you're an idiot. You guys won the conference last, <laughs> you know, how many years? He goes, why are you changing it? Um, but you have to. I think, you know, right now we had last, you know, uh, breakdown stats. Coaches love numbers. You know, we two years ago were 176th, 176th in the nation for a three-point shooting percentage. Last year we got that down to 10th. I think that's pretty cool. So as a coach, you're saying, all right, if we can shoot pretty dang well from three-point line, why are we not letting Eva and Carpenter and Kaylee and, you know, Rizzo, all those girls shoot from the three-point line more? So as a coach, you got to let players make plays. I think, you know, again, going back to coaches that have ever taught me anything, they always say, when the game is on the line, don't think of plays, think of players. And I think you got to think about that for four quarters. It's, it's not what play is going to get us this bucket. It's where are your players going to be most successful. Last year, I would have been dumb if I didn't give Hannah, you know, 20 touches a game, if I didn't give Taylor Kane those touches. This year, you know, not saying that, um, you know, that Pasha Scott can't be that dominant post inside, but we have girls in the perimeter who can shoot lights out. And so, you know, incoming players and returning, Turners, we have to adjust and, and get them more shots from the three-point line. I think now, you know, in college basketball, the three-point line and a three-point shot is just as easy as a layup. I mean, it used to be, you know, protect, you know, protect the lane, don't give up a layup. And now it's, well, maybe let them drive into the hoop. I think as our team, we miss more layups than we do three-pointers sometimes at practices, and we don't even do layup drills anymore because it pisses me off sometimes. So, <laughs> and the girls and the girls will laugh at that. They know, coach, move on from the layup drill. Um, but you have to adjust. You can't have one system all the time. I think, and, and maybe I'm. I'm I'm young and I don't know any better. Ask me in January how the system's going, but make the players have to, you know, they got to make the plays. You know, it's interesting also. Uh, last year, I think it was the year that everybody thought you were going to take the step back. You lost four starters from the year before. And everybody said, well, this is now going to be the year because you brought back just the one starter from the year before, and that was Hannah. Everybody else was new to the starting lineup, and yet you guys posted the best record in school history. And that, that to me, kind of showed where the program is at. The fact that now, whenever you you know, when you you know you've got a, a program that you've built to a certain level, when you lose players, new players step into new roles and the results stay the same. That's when you know that you've built something that's gonna last for a little while. At least that's how I look at it, especially in basketball. Um, you know, losing like I said, the four starters from last year, I thought that was gonna be the year, to be perfectly honest, that I thought you guys might take a step back. You didn't and if anything, you were just as good. Well they did lose a conference game. Yeah, they did lose a conference game. Sorry, but <laughs> you know, but they, I mean you beefed up the non conference schedule and did well. Yeah, and that was really well. I was gonna you know, yeah, piggyback yeah, well, yeah. on that with how much tougher your non-conference schedule has gotten, and that I suppose too is kind of a a natural progression. And okay, our program has gotten to a point to get to the next level. We yeah. do have to beef up, right. as you said, the the non-conference play as well. 
and that's you know on paper that's the plan. Like last year, we went. I think every single one of our non-conference games was against a team that either made the tournament the year before or were playing in their conference title. You know, then the you know St. Ben's, they're always a top team. The year before, they won 24 games. We play them. You know, you want to have those competitions. You know, last year the Eau Claire's, the we went to um, St. Norbert's and Carthage and Bemidji. I mean, all those schools. You want to play the tough competition. Um, this year, same thing. I mean, I'm, I'm probably crazy and maybe did too much, but you know, we opened up our second games at St. Thomas this year. And if you know St. Thomas, they got a pretty good program, you know, type of thing. And to us, I look at it, it's a compliment. In the Mayak, they only get four non-conference games. And if they're saying, hey, we'll come play Superior and do a home game in, you know, next year, they'll come back up and travel to us. That's a compliment to where we are as a program. And I think you know, Coach Mulhern got this going in the right direction, and I was blessed to fall into the right spot for it. But you have players that truly buy into it. Like you said, Matt, it's, it's not oh we graduate what are we going to do it's all right I'll step up I'll you know I'll right. go through this they don't they don't care about stats it's what do we need to do to win and and you guys are all in the sports world you, you that's what you want as coaches is the players that truly truly buy in and we said it last year and, and said we could start the season 0 and 8 we could go 4 and 4 we could go 8 and 0 we end up going 7 and 1 and you know if you would have said that to me again I would have been like eh, I don't know we're you know we're kind of new you know we have to go through but the girls just they have this kind of confidence we talk about the difference between being cocky and being confident they have confidence. They're not cocky. Sometimes I wish they'd be more cocky a little bit. Like, hey, you just hit that phenomenal play. It's all right, coach. You know, they. It's like, okay, no, that's really cool. Be, you know, be cocky about it. But they're confident in what they do, and I think that helps out a lot. Well, I was like I said last year, looking at it, the fact that you guys against that schedule for the year lost three games total was really impressive to me. I mean, that that to me showed that you guys. I mean, you went on the road and beat Bemidji State. That's an SIC team, and that was a, that wasn't even an exhibition game. I mean, that counted right. as a as a scheduled game. Um, you know, played a really good UMD team at the beginning of the year in an exhibition game. I mean, and then you look at the the list of victories that you guys rattled off against Eau Claire, against Stout, against um, St. Ben's, which was a like a twenty five point win, I think. You know, it was really impressive going down to Norbert, Norbert and beating them on their home court. Um, there were a lot of really impressive results in that non conference schedule. So I was. I was a little bit more surprised that you guys didn't get more of a, a consideration for an at-large bid, the way that things went last year, because that non-conference schedule was as good as anybody's. It was way better than anybody else in the, in the UMAC, I can tell you that. And so the fact that you guys got left out is a North story altogether. But again, it did speak to all the consistency. And the fact that these players believe they can win anywhere and against anybody. Um, you know, I think your two non-conference losses last year were to, I think it was Wartburg and then, uh, or was it Wartburg? It was we had uh, Augsburg. Augsburg. Yep. yep, and Wartburg. I mean, those are the two that you had, and those two Wartburg teams. Wartburg would have been two years ago. So was it, it was Augsburg and then our and then, one conference, yeah. 59. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you had three losses total for the year. Yep. yep. Um, and so, you know, you look at that, looking at that schedule, it was just so impressive to see how you guys maintained it and continued to go through it. Again, with the four new starters and a whole new rotation of players coming through, coming in and out. You know, so to me, that was that was kind of a, a show of how good the chemistry was on the team, um, and I'm hoping that that'll be the same this year. As to your point about the returners coming back, I think that the fact that they've had that experience, especially the stars that are coming back, the three of the five that are coming back, you know, with Ellie, uh, Emily, and then also with Eva, um, I think having them is going to help you guys a lot more, just in terms of leadership, because they have a certain level of expectation, especially with Eva. Yeah. When I watch you guys in practice, I mean, this is as intense and as as focused as I've seen her. Uh, in her career, uh, and it's been fun to watch her go from a freshman who was kind of testing the waters a little bit, a little bit nervous that first year, to where she is now, where she really demands things in practice from her teammates. I mean, she is the, the transition that she's made over the last four years is really interesting, and she's as dialed in as I've ever seen her. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing what you guys can do. And uh, again, you know, it, 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 this is the time of year where I get excited about this kind of stuff. I mean, I talked about it in the last podcast, um, but yeah, I mean, there are going to be some new roles and. Uh, um, 
you know, it, it's interesting to see the dynamic between the players on the team and what's what's being expected to see the, the growth of that Emily and, and, and Eva and now Ellie coming up a little bit more as a junior. Yep. You know, the, like the, the, the roles that they have now as leaders on the court, it, it's just a fun dynamic to see. Yeah, there. It's even. I were just talking about it last night, or texting each other. I just said the energy you brought today. If you bring that every day at practice, I mean, we're we're going to be in a good spot right there. I mean, she's. I've never seen that from her in three years. She's the quiet, you know, you know, homeschooled girl. As I always pick on her about it. You're just a quiet girl. I mean, and but she brought that energy yesterday, and and the girls just buy into it. I mean, you guys, you guys all know Eva. Eva's genuinely the most nicest girl you're ever going to meet in your entire life. And when when she gets going, and people are behind her, well, watch out. I mean, that's that's the kind of player you want to be a leader. And so does you know Emily. And Ellie and, and Kimmick and Rizzo are other captains this year. They're all good people who are going to do it the right way. So, well, and her numbers last year were unbelievable in terms of efficiency. I mean, she was 50, 40, and 85. Yeah, but you know, she missed that one free throw. Yeah, you know, she'll, <laughs> she'll tell you about it right there. I didn't shoot 90, you know, 99% that game. Yeah, she'll come <laughs> up to me like after games, and she's done it throughout her career. She'll come up to me and she said, Oh my gosh, did you see the one I missed? Yeah. Like she'll say that to me, and I'll say, Eva, your stats for the year, you're averaging 15, 8, and you've got, you're shooting 50% from the floor, 40 from three, and 85 from the line. I think you're doing okay. Yeah, but I still miss that one. You know, is that the Hal Mulhern effect rubbing off on her? It's just uh, Eva is, and I'm throwing her under the bus, and that's perfectly fine. <laughs> Eva, and if you come to a game, watch her. She speaks in third person, right? So freshman year, she'd be the girl who'd go pew, and she'd run past you, like it was her like motivator type of thing. <laughs> like Taylor Kane was always like, she's so weird, and she'd make noises. And now she always does. If she misses it, she claps her hands and goes Eva Gianna, and you're like. Who's she talking to? And you realize it's third person. She's just talking to herself. She gets so upset with her. And she's like, Eva Gianna running up the court. You should have made that shot. And you're like, who are you talking to? But that's Eva. I mean, she's just, she's in a good way. You know, some people beat themselves up and they're like, I missed that shot. She's doing it because, not because she's a perfectionist, but she she feels like she can make that. I mean, like you said, yeah, she shoot 85%. She's like, yeah, they're free throws. I should have made 100%. Well, sorry, Eva, your freshman year, you made 29 in a row. That's a pretty good streak. Yeah, you know, she made the first it. 29 of her career, actually. Yes. Yeah. So it was yeah. like, uh, yeah, I think she's doing it right. And then when she missed it, when she missed that free throw, the first thing she did that year was come over and say, did you see the free throw I missed? And I said, yes, I did. <laughs> I think we'll get over it. How I think dare I said, you, Eva. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but I mean, she, she's one of those people that she's very endearing. She's easy to like. Um, yep. And you, yeah, she does have certain tells. Like I can tell when she's frustrated, everybody can, because she does do that one clap uh, <laughs> when something doesn't go right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I saw her do the one clap a few times uh, last year, especially inside, if she missed a layup inside. Even if she got fouled and she went to the line and made both free throws, she still gave herself the hand clap. Yep. Um, but, you know, another story on her with, with the chocolate dish. <laughs> <laughs> in your office, uh, for people who don't know, uh, my broadcasting partner here, Mr. Garber, has a candy dish filled with chocolate usually in his office. Um, and in the last few years, there's been, what, uh, two or three athletes that have had their names on that dish. Uh, it's a separate dish. Yeah, I mean, there's a separate dish for, for certain athletes. There's there's one that is for everybody, and then there's one that is usually reserved. It was for Jade Olson the first year, and then because she was allergic, right, like to nuts or something. She had a peanut allergy, yeah. So yeah. she got her own candy. So she got her own candy. Then it was Sam Westgard. Yep. But then last year, funny story, Eva was walking by the office, and we were both sitting in there, and she poked her head in after you guys had had a team meeting, and she wanted to go in and grab one like one of the pieces of candy. And <laughs> I, what did you say to her? I forget what the, how the whole thing went. Well, I, I said no. <laughs> <laughs> that your name is not on that dish. No, you have to take from the other one. And she said the flame because she goes because it was Sam Westgard. Yeah, right. Last, yeah, but deal. Sam likes me. <laughs> your name's not on the dish. <laughs> yeah, she's because she was. So then, sure enough, I we we brought it up and we said we'll ask Sam if if you're allowed to have some of her chocolate. 
And then, of course, Sam said yes. So <laughs> it became Sam's bowl, and then and then Eva, because she's cool or something like that. Like, it was labeled like <laughs> – Something like that. Yeah, it was something like it was an Eva too or something like that. Yep. Or it was something like that. So she could come in and get – but that's the kind of person Eva is because she just kind of smiles and is, she's got that kind of shyness to her, but she's also – Pretty blunt and 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 pretty upbeat too at the same time. So that's kind of one of my that's a, that's one of my funny Eva <laughs> stories because she, she came and she was almost kind of sheepish about it. She's like, "Can I have some of that?" Because I think you had the Ghirardelli too. It was the good stuff, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Yeah, it was Ghirardelli. I think at that time you had some Ghirardelli chocolates in there, and she poked in and she looked because <laughs> we were sitting there and just very classic Eva. And I, you you see that every day. Yep. So. Yep. Doesn't surprise you at all, I would assume. <laughs> no, you just shake your head because you're like, yep, that's how they are. So, <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, talk to me a little bit about, about Emily Carpenter and the maturation in her game, though, because you know, <laughs> as much as Eva is going to be looked upon as the first offensive option for yep. this team, um, and I don't think it's any secret, uh, Emily had a very solid year last year. She led you guys in minutes per game, um, averaged just under 10 points a game, and really was kind of a, a rock because she's such a smart player. Let's talk about her maturation as a point guard because I know that she's become something of a of a she's she's not always the most vocal leader out there, but she's tough as nails. And at five two, you don't see too many point guards that are, are like her at five foot two. No, she uh, there's a backstory with her. So her senior year of high school, St. Peter, Minnesota, they actually knocked out at the time I was coaching at Glencoe. Um, they beat us by three to go to the the section final game, um, which then went to overtime and we couldn't beat the team. But but I didn't know at the time that I was going to come to Superior. So her team beats us, and then you know season ends March, April, and then July I'm here, and there she walks in the gym, and I'm like, oh hey, and she's like, hey, good to see you. <laughs> and she missed her first shot she took that day at practice, and I go, if you would have missed that one game, we would have beat you in high school. We would have moved on and probably been playing that state. And she's like, yeah, but I didn't. You know, she's kind of like that player, and and at the time, you know you. You know, you, you have those players that you just, you, you, not, you, you don't hate, you dislike. You're like, God, they're so good at high school. We hated them. They beat us all the time. And now as a senior, I mean, I tell her and Eve all the time, we're not doing a, a senior year this year because I won't be able to. I won't be able to say goodbye to them too. Or they'll do it on their own because, I, I mean, they just you built that relationship with them. But Emily's just one of those players that she is. She's 5'2", but she, she acts like she's a bulldog and acts like she, she plays like she's about 6'5", maybe 7 foot even, where you're like, all right, calm back down, you know, get out of the, you know, the forest, as we say, inside the lane. But she's just worked so hard on her game. Um, she can shoot the three like no other. And this year we may move her to like the two to shoot more. Again, putting her in a spot where she's shoot. I think for her, um, the example of it is last year at Verso Claire, she had game high 21 season, career high 21 points. Next game, I think she had two or four points. And I was like, you know, she's like, God, coach, I had a good game, didn't I? And I go, you know, you had four points. You had 21 our last game. She's like, yeah, but I had nine assists. She was so jacked about having those nine assists and she didn't care about the accolades of the points or anything like that. That's what she does. She's a true point guard who says, coach, what do I need to do to get our team, you know, in that position? And, you know, I would say two years ago, she wouldn't go behind her back. She wouldn't go between her legs. Last year, you know, after the stout game, I go, hey, you didn't get picked five times this year. And she goes, <laughs> yeah, I never dribbled behind my back until this year either. And so she, you know, she can smile with it, but she, she works on her game. And I think, um, this summer she helped coach AAU and that just really helped our relationship as a point guard and coach it has to be one of the most important relationships because I always tell her I'm going to yell at you on the court I'm not yelling at you you're going to go yell at the players you know coach the players type of thing and she takes it puts it in one ear and you know filters out what she needs to hear and goes out she's truly just a, an extension of the coach on the court and the girls buy into her and the girls listen to her even though she's only 5'2 but you know I wouldn't want to mess with her she's a she's a tough girl but she um yeah she's turned into just a phenomenal um, not just on our team but in the conference I think a very well respected point guard. And then the other two players that I just want to highlight quick because I think they're both could be X factors for you guys depending upon how their season goes. Um, Kaylee Kostrova and also Marissa Ruiz 
Uh, yep. Marissa had a really strong end of last year. I thought she was playing as well as anybody on the team by the last year. And Kaylee has got a lot of skill. Um, and I'm assuming that you're thinking that they're going to probably have to take bigger ro- take on bigger roles this year. Yep. Because um, Marissa is is she's not necessarily an Emily clone. She's about the same size. But Marissa is a little bit more of a, of a shoot first kind of mentality as far as a ball handling guard. Um, and I mean, but her maturation as the year went on, she struggled a little bit at the beginning of the year personally, individually as a player. And then as the year went on, though, she really started making big shots for you guys. What are you hoping for from those two as the year goes on? You know, for Marissa, she transferred in last year, and you're going to have a month of taking time to be like, hey, how do I fit in? Where do I go? What's my role going to be? I mean, she can shoot three, you know, two, three feet behind the arc. She's one of those sometimes you take shots and you're saying, what are you doing? And then you just clap, great shot. You know, thanks for doing that. Um, but she, I think she, she feels more comfortable. She's, you know, again, if she, you get um, to become a captain your senior year after transferring in as a junior, same thing with Taylor Kane. You're doing something right to earn the respect of your, your peers and your teammates. So you still have to step up. Um, you know, I think it's hard to play her and Emily together sometimes, whereas last year we used her more as a backup, saying, okay, when Emily comes out, you got to go in, but I feel comfortable having them both out on the court. Um, yeah, she's got to learn, you know, wh- when to attack and when not to attack. She can, you know, she can dribble as best as anybody in the on the team. She pushes tempo. She's fast as all heck. And then Kaylee Kostrova still thinks she's the purest, you know, form on our team. She can shoot the ball, and she just has to believe in that. Um, you know, as coaches, you can't just play offense. you got to play defense, and, and she knows that. She's got to work hard on the defensive end this year in order to get those shots on the offensive end, but she can shoot that three. I mean, we brought her in here a couple years ago because we knew that she was just a straight-up shooter. So, yeah, both going to have to step up into big roles, probably bigger roles than they, they expect right now, but, you know, we'll find out on, on Friday what they're, what they're capable of. You mentioned earlier that you came here when, when Don was here, right at the end of a really successful run that, that he had with the program. He goes down to St. Kate's now. You're in your third year as the head coach, but what, what did he mean to you? And what, what influence did Don and his coaching style and his recruiting style and all of that have on you and help you to be the coach you are? You guys all know Don. He's a quirky, quirky guy. Um, but for me, I mean, again, Don is uh, mentor is not even a word. I mean, we talk on the phone about anything and everything. It's how's the family doing? How's this? I mean, you go to Don for dinner at Perkins. You expect to be there for four hours and twelve French toasts later. <laughs> and that's and that's for him, not even me. Um, but Don, you know, we talked before I even came up, and he just he has such a passion for the game, and he cares about his players so much, and that's as coaches, you always want your players to see you outside of the court. And if you've ever been, you know, you know, blessed to meet Don, you know that he genuinely cares about you as a person. And that's what I learned is, yeah, it's fun to win and it's nice to have, you know, those plaques or whatever, but that's not what matters. You don't, you know, him and I talked about it, you don't get to bring your wins and losses with you when you're done here on earth. You bring your character with you. And so I've learned that, that it's important to have your faith. And he's showed me that you can carry your faith and have that on the court and instill that in your players. And so for me, that's the biggest thing is, you know, I, I, I don't want to, I'm not a, in a most person but Don and I have talks about anything and everything and that's what's been kind of been nice about the grounded part and I think you know my first year here I still remember we were playing St. Ben's down three or four in the final 30 seconds and he turns to me and goes what play do you want to run and I'm like uh, uh this is our first game as an assistant coach I don't know Don you run the play but that's how he was it wasn't him you know saying oh I got to run the play he had no ego and and you have to do that as a coach and and he did that with coach you know with Hal and Pat and Katie and, and Hadley and Trent whoever was here part of the program is it's not about you and it's about making sure you put the players first and so for for me I just learned keep you know keep having a big heart and if you do that then you can't do anything wrong in your job so and one of the residuals of of Don being here is Hal being here yep what does he mean to you what does he mean to the program because he I'm not with you 
every day, but he is one of the most special human beings that I've I've ever come in contact with. And I when I wrote the feature on him a couple of years ago, I referred yeah. to him as everybody's favorite uncle. And I just that's that's kind of how he he comes off to everybody is just everybody who comes in contact with that man loves that man. Yep. You know that stray cat that comes on your front porch and then just never goes away because you feed it once? Yeah, that's Hal, right? <laughs> give, him a, give him a sweatshirt and he stays around. No, um, As long as it's green, Yeah, right? as long as it's green, but not, not in preseason, not in exhibition games. He won't wear it, you know, at Bemidji or at Duluth, you know, this week. Um, he, I, I, this is how I explain him, and I tell everybody he's an old, not old, he's old, yeah, I can call him old. He's an old, stubborn Irish farmer. That's all you need to know about him. He'll be the first one to say, oh, what the hell did you do that for? And then have his arm around you saying, oh, let's go get ice cream. You know what I mean? I mean, he just, he is very special. Um, again, he's he's got such a big heart and he's a guy who, I need you to be bad cop today and he's not afraid to. The players know when Hal, when Hal says hell, it's, oh God, you know, something big. And that's one big thing in our program. We don't swear, we don't do any of that. So we do it the right way. So when Hal gets angry and says, you know, one bad word, it's like, oh, right, Hal means it. And the girls respect him. He, I mean, I don't want to say he's an uncle or he's a grandpa, but he could be a grandpa to, to us all. But I mean, he's the guy who keeps me calm as a coach. We play cribbage on game day, you know, beforehand and just, you know, have fun with it. Don't ever play cards with them. He cheats. He, <laughs> he stands up and he always has a couple cards underneath his pocket. So, you know, when we're doing traveling on the bus or at hotels, the girls want to play cards with them, but you know, he's cheating. He has them underneath them. And for a very Catholic man, that's not, I always tell him that's not okay. But as Eva would say, you know, because Eva's dad's a, you know, a pastor across the bridge. And I'll be like, Eva, what do you think of that? And she goes, well, I believe all can be forgiven by God. So that's okay. You know, so we joke about him cheating it that way. But um, no, Hal is just, he's such a special, special guy. And, and he's up, he's always up for new challenges. I mean, he has the, the energy of a 14 year old out there. When we get, when we get going to practices, he's excited and he, he's, he's a special person to everybody. And I don't think just on our basketball team, I think in the conference, he's well-respected. I mean, in the state, you could go anywhere and people are like, Oh, Harold Mulhern. And they always, you know, I see the both sides. They're always like, is that Don's dad? Is he still coaching with you? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, well, I have fun with that. And I'm like, actually that's his grandpa. Or I'll be like, Oh, Don actually was his dad. He just, you know, aged very well. So you got to have fun with it. But yeah, I mean, I mean, having, having Don's cousin Hal here, is, it's really helped me out. And I always tell Hal, I'll, I'll stick around with you until, until it's your time to go. And so, you know, we, we, we have a lot of fun. And he, I learned so much from him um, on and off the court. Well, with, with Hal, see, I've, I've gotten the chance to get to know him really well, obviously, as well, the last, you know, however many years. I know I've been the voice of the women's basketball team. And um, one of our traditions is to go out for a pregame meal. We Ju- always, yeah, Julie's. Julie's. Yeah, that's where we always go. And, um, you know, we've... I've gotten to know him very well as a result of that. Um, he's a guy that, despite being a Hall of Famer, and he is a Hall of Famer. In several hall, yeah, Halls and, of Fame. Yes, he is. He has no ego. You would never guess that he's a Hall of Famer. In fact, I remember when we were on a road trip, when the, the infamous road trip that we talked about with Paul Eberhardt earlier. <laughs> Which, uh, I, I don't know, were you on the staff when we made that trip, when we did the, the swing from Oshkosh all the way over to Platteville, and we no. ra- drove up on the, and we got lost, and all that. Okay, you weren't here yet. Um, but anyway, Hal was on that trip, and... Um, we went on, I remember we, when we practiced at the Dells before we got lost and then ended up driving up on the road and, and, and dinging the side of the bus, um, we looked for his plaque at the, at the Hall of Fame in Wisconsin Dells and for, for basketball. And there we found it. And, and we pointed, hey, Hal, this is you. And he went, so? He, did the, he, did the very, he was very like, so what? I don't care. Why do you care? Like that was, <laughs> you know, like, you know, I don't care. Why do you care? Like that was kind of his, his approach. And that's that's what makes him special is those kind of things is is that he doesn't he he 
he just wants to, he he's just really I think gratified to have been a part of all of this in his life, and it's very cool to yep. get to know him and, and and kind of have gotten a you know gotten a chance to get to know a guy who has seen like I said he's been inducted in how many halls of fame is it I don't even know. He, He's at Lambeau Field on their wall for yeah. for football. For, yeah, for yeah. his football. Coach I mean, not that career. that's cool. It's Lambeau Field, but <laughs> no. But I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and and he's got great stories from when he played sports at Iowa because he's a former Hawkeye, and uh, you know, he's he's just got a bunch of really cool stories. He also fought in World War One, World War Two. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was on the boat with Christopher Columbus when he came yeah, over. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I forget it was. He, I can say that I always uh, joke with my when people are like, "Who is that old man with you?" You know, you get to make friends, and I'm always like. Oh, he's our tax write-off for the university. We, you know, we have to bring him, we have to bring him with. And and Hal sometimes looks because he can't hear the best. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He smiles. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he pokes one at himself. Oh yeah. And I think it says everything about him when the, when Don left and went to St. Kate's. We were automatically assuming that he would go, and he said, "I'm not leaving this program. I'm not." And <laughs> you know, what people the, don't know is he distinctly said, "Zach, you're the greatest human being I've ever met. I will never leave you." Yeah. <laughs> yeah he didn't say that, but no, that's but what I, I felt. Yeah, exactly. I mean. <laughs> But I, I actually had a talk with him at one of our pregame meals over at Julie's, and I said, what was the thought process on that? He's like, Don can go wherever he wants to go. I'm staying here. Like, I mean, that was – it was a very – he loves this program. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it. And so um, that said it all to me, the fact that, like I said, he didn't pick up and go with his cousin. You know that Don asked him and that he flat said, no, I'm not going. I'm staying here. I love it here. I love these girls. I can't leave these girls now. You know, you, know, you, can, you, you can do whatever you want to do. But this is important to me. I have to. I have to see this through with them. And I mean, like you said, all your players love him. I mean, I've never heard a bad word said by any of your players about him. And you know, he is. He he's not. He's not just the uncle. He's the grandpa that you can go to. He'll get yep. on you, but he'll also support you. And they know that that he supports them no matter what. Yep. It's very cool. It's a very cool dynamic to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I thought for sure he'd stick around one year, and then well, he came back. Like I said, that stray cat yep. came back the next year, and now he's back year three. And I mean, and it's it's great. And if you ever need treats, just go in his bag. He always has a couple, you know, ho holes or Snicker bars. That's or, a very Mulhern thing. <laughs> very isn't it? Mulhern. Yeah. Thing. They, all, they all have very thick. For anybody who knows Don, he always yeah, sweet tooth. Was never afraid to put uh, a cookie or two in a napkin. No, nope. and only, bring it back to him. The only difference was, yeah, Don had his in a napkin. You never knew where it was. You know, Hal at least has his wrapped in a, a wrapper, so you feel good about <laughs> right. it. Right? Yeah, exactly. I know you have to get along to practice here in a little bit, so we'll wrap up here pretty quickly. But uh, you got a few minutes left for some rapid fire. Sure. All right. I, I throw these at everybody. The first one is always the same. Zach, if you are not a coach, what are you? Oh gosh. <laughs> um. Ugh. And that's the same answer we have every coach. Yeah. <laughs> if I wasn't a coach, man, I don't know. <laughs> that's all you know. That's all you do as a coach. Um, I probably would be, I'd probably be a teacher. Anything specific? Uh, I love little kids, so I'd probably be like an elementary teacher. Okay. Brothers of fifth grade, uh, probably fifth grade. That's the perfect. They still have sarcasm, you know, a little bit. They understand sarcasm and they don't cry. I don't do well with that. So probably, yeah, like fifth grade. Okay. Fifth grade teacher, chalk that one up. That's a new one. That is a new one. We've we've had teachers, but never as specific as fifth grade. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Fifth grade teacher. People may or may not know that you are somewhat of an aficionado of the Beatles. <laughs> what is the greatest Beatles song? Well, I mean, do you want my opinion? Yes, or do you want what Rolling is, Stones no, this puts is your out opinion. there? Because that no, would, no, 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 no. This, this is this all is you. you. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, for me personally, in my life, is just a, a classic. I think it can bring back anybody to a, a time and a place. 
Um, but A Day in the Life has been just one of those kind of funky, I think that changed music. So if you like the Beatles, that changed music forever. So we'll go with The Day in the Life or In My Life. I guess there's a, a common theme. Life. 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 Yeah, yeah, there okay. it is. Which is a good cereal, by the way. Life cereal. It is, it's a wonderful yeah, cereal. out there. Regular life Mikey or cinnamon life? Cinnamon. <laughs> You're a cinnamon to. life. Yep. Okay. Because then you can drink the milk afterwards. You can drink the milk afterward anyway. Yeah, but it doesn't taste as well. That still has that nice sugary taste to it. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Follow-up to the Beatles song. Yep. What is the greatest solo Beatles song? So post-Beatles, when they uh, were all solo artists, yep. what's the greatest? Well, I'm thinking everything that you and I have ever sent to each other at <laughs> 1 a.m. or 11 p.m., and you know it's coming. Um, I, I mean, you have to go with... You have to go with Imagine, I think. Um, that just, that is, actually, no, I lied to you. I'd have to go with my favorite Christmas song of all time, War Is Over, um, Happy Christmas by, you know, John Lennon and Yoko. Okay. I'd go I'd go that one. Um, God, there's so many. I mean, there's, you know, when George Harrison went on his way and joined the Traveling Wilburys, there's, you know, those songs there was, you know, you know, God, there's multiple. But I would, yeah, let's go back to War Is Over. Okay. I thought because you did In My Life and... A day in the life, it would be George Harrison. What is life? Oh, you know, I, I thought that would have been yep. appropriate. Great connection, but that's okay. Yeah, so, I think our whole family loves him, and so my sister, her favorite one is um, George Harrison. Um, was it? Got my eyes on you, mm-hmm. or, right? I mean, that's one. So you got my heart like, set on you. you. Got my heart set on that's, you. That's yep. my favorite George Harrison. Really? Yeah. Yep. So you got that. I mean, um, I mean, McCartney had so many good hits, you know, as well on his own. But yeah, can't go wrong with a Lennon song. Okay, I like that. I like where you went with that. Favorite board game as a kid. Man, as a kid, we grew up playing our own board games we created. Um, gosh, favorite board game? Probably, I'm trying to think what I was really good at and could beat my brother and sister at. Um, I don't know, Monopoly, probably. Yeah. No, Mon- yeah, Monopoly. Let's go, go Monopoly? Monopoly. Or Battleship. Battleship. Yeah. Are you a Battleship cheater? Oh, of course, everybody, right? You, you, you move that aircraft carrier around? <laughs> yes, yeah, I'd say that. Yeah, I know we played outside. I mean, growing up, we played outside all day. So can I say right. can I say a favorite board game was playing baseball in the backyard with ghost runners and breaking windows when I'm you cool hit a foul ball and blame sure. your brother? Yeah, we'll go that route. Okay, not the game of life. <laughs> no, not the game of life. Man, I need to reexamine life. <laughs> <laughs> one more, we'll let you go. You're a, you're a Minnesotan. Yep. What is the one attraction in the state of Minnesota that anybody is supposed to see? You ever been to Darwin, Minnesota? I have not. You've never seen the greatest, largest ball of twine? <laughs> yeah, you're not missing not. anything. Don't go there. That's not what it is. That's not what it is? Okay. No. I would say, I mean, I'm biased because we live up here. The Twin Ports is beautiful. I think Duluth has, you know, unbelievable places to go. But, um, God, ooh, all of it. I mean, you can go to the Spam Factory. That's cool. I would say the coolest attraction, all of Minnesota. Jeez. Uh Honestly, people who don't know, Ely's Peak. You've been up there at Ely's Peak just about 10 minutes away from here. Mm-hmm. The old train tunnel that you get to walk through. Yep. Don't, it's creepy at nighttime. But, it is. Um, I think that's just a cool little place. You get a, a view of everything, especially now in the fall. So I would say for the area, go up to Ely's Peak is a really cool place. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm probably boring. All I do is go outside and walk. Uh I don't know. What do you guys got? Tell me yours. Split Rock. <laughs> split Rock? You think Split Rock? Well, it, it, I've been to Split Rock so many times now in my life that it, I mean, and it's, it's so iconic. It's become kind of like the Minnesota image, mm-hmm. yep. you know, especially when it comes to Lake Superior. I mean, I think it's probably a, of the Lake Superior lighthouses. I can't think of any that are as famous or even close right. to as famous as Split Rock. And there, there is something about 
you know, it's a, it's a stunning image, if you, especially if you go into the park and you stand near Lake Superior and you look yep. up on the cliff and there's the lighthouse sitting up there. There is something inherently iconic about it. Yep. Um, and so whenever I think of Lake Superior, and, and like I said, I'm somewhat biased because I've seen the split rock so many times, but it is, it's, it's, it's amazing to look at it. I mean, it is, it is physically beautiful. Um, I've seen so many iconic versions of the photo there. Right. Um, that, that, that's right up there for me. Uh, especially living in this part of the state of Minnesota sure. slash Wisconsin. That's that's kind of it for me. The Luth Lift Bridge, though, is right there, too. Yep. I mean, oh, it's yeah. another iconic image. You know, we take it for granted because we see it every day. Right. But, you know, that that is right there as well. And then uh, Minnehaha Falls is pretty cool, too. Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, those are all three areas. Those are all three things that I think are uniquely Minnesotan and uh, are, are pretty special. Uniquely Minnesotan, I mean, you've got – you mentioned the ball of twine already. <laughs> yeah. You know, you've got in Virginia on Silver Lake the world's largest floating loon. Yep. You've got the world's largest ox cart in Crookston. Oh. The Jolly Green Giant and Blue Earth. Yep. You know, you've got all those sorts of things. But for me, I'm a hockey guy. I know you're going to United States Hockey Hall of Fame in Eveleth, Minnesota. Yep. Right down the road, the world's largest hockey stick. Yep. So, you know. That's a good one. Yeah. 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 I mean, there, yeah. Lots of cool things. I, actually, now as we think about it, Boundary Waters. I mean, if you've never been to the Boundary Waters, that's fair. it doesn't matter where yeah, you go. Go through too. or go through Ely. Yeah, everybody has to get up there. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot. I mean, th- and there are different parts, you know, different things you can see in different parts of the state. That's what makes it cool. I just thank all of us for not saying Mall of America. Oh, oh God. God. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, no, yeah. no. I'll leave that to your players to idolize that one. I, I think I, anybody I, in athletics, you don't go to Mall of America. You wear whatever gear you have. That's right. See, I like I tried to. I, I grew up in in South Minneapolis, and most people knew that. But because uh, so the Mall of America was in Bloomington, which is like ten minutes away. I tried to stay away from the mall as much as possible. That was my goal. If I ever went in there, it was a last ditch effort to get whatever I was looking for. I mean, I went everywhere else, Southdale and <laughs> whatever. I went. To, I scoured every mall I could get to before the Mall of America, just because it's. I mean, that oh my gosh. It's, oh, it's overwhelming. It's like an assault on your senses. <laughs> it took away the old Met, so you can't like yes, it, Yes, right? exactly. Yep. Well, exactly. the home plate is still there. Oh. Like, well. You can actually find the old. Oh, well, that's the, true, yeah. but still. And, and the, uh, I think where Harmon Kilbrew hit a home run, his, too, that seat still. His 500th home run is yeah, still, it's, uh, still hanging oh, really? up on the wall. Yeah, it's on the wall. Oh, if you go, cool. What's it called now? What's the interior called? It's, I have no idea. It used to be Camp Snoopy. Yeah, it used to be Camp Snoopy. Is now it, is it still Nickel- Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon Universe? Yeah. yeah. But now if you look up on the wall, there, there's this random chair. It's a bright red chair on the wall. Yeah. What is that? That's, that's where, where, where Armin Kilbrew's 500th home run landed. Why a red chair? I don't know. <laughs> well, it's an actu- the actual seat that it landed oh. in. is That's what oh, it is. Okay. I, I'm just picturing this old wooden No, no, it's the actual seat. No, no, it's the actual seat with a ball landed. That's cool. I never knew that. And if you find the home plate in the Florida, in the central area down there, and stand there, it's like, wow, that is a really long shot. Yeah. I mean, Harmon was famous for his long home runs, of course. But, yeah, you can find home plate. I'm surprised you didn't know you could find home plate. It's Yeah, they actually have it inside the Mall of America, right outside of Nickelodeon World or oh. whatever that thing is called now. Matt, I've been there maybe three times, and I think two of them were with the UWS women's basketball team when we go down there. Yeah, we dragged Bursick with us once, and he kind of looked at us like, is this what women's teams do? And I'm like, <laughs> yep, we're going to All-America between games. So yep. I'll look for it next time. Yep. He's Zach Otto-Fisher, the head women's basketball coach here at UW-Superior. Coach, thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. We'll take a break, and we will come back with more of the Eye of the Swarm right after this. Sports broadcasts on 91.3 FM are made possible in part by 
Donji's East End Tavern, located in the heart of Superior's East End and a proud sponsor of Yellow Jacket Athletics. Ken Mertz and Mertz Rookie Insurance, a full-service agency with more than 35 years of experience offering all lines of personal and commercial insurance. 866-378-4936, online at MertzRookieInsurance.com. Burnix, local distributors of Pepsi and proud supporters of UW-Superior. And by Northwest Outlet, family-owned and operated for more than 60 years, offering a full line of sporting goods, footwear, clothing, and outerwear. 1814 Belknap and Superior or at northwestoutlet.com. Final segment of the Eye of the Swarm for this week, and... Uh, a little bit fuller schedule this week, Matt, than we yeah, had uh, last yeah, week. Yeah, we've got a lot on the on the docket. And a lot of it, it actually isn't even an official play necessarily, but everybody's getting into action now. Yeah. And there's a lot of teams that are going to be doing a lot of competing here in the next two weeks, so bear with us while we go through all this <laughs> here. It, it'll take a few seconds. Uh, men's soccer, we'll start out with them. 13-3-2, uh, as we mentioned in the first segment, um, uh, getting ready for the UMAC tournament. Uh, they have one more regular season game to go. It's coming up on this coming Saturday. It'll be 1 p.m. That's a game at Bethel against the Royals. That game was actually rescheduled from postponement earlier in the year, and then they will be at the UMAC tournament. They're actually locked into that number one seed. They will yep. be playing at home on November 6th against the winner of the number four five seed matchup in the UMAC tournament semifinals. That will be played at the NBC Spartan Sports Complex. We don't know the time yet on that one, but... According to the sport code, that's supposed to be a 1 o'clock match. Okay. Um, but I, I don't necessarily believe it's going to be locked in at one o'clock i could see that one being pushed back okay you right know, we, we've got the luxury of playing in a facility that's got lights right and so if they could push that back to a four o'clock start you know right. that's that's better for the the student athletes better academically so i i could imagine depending on who the opponent is maybe pursuing an opportunity to play that game a little bit later yeah that, that could be but the Jackets, uh, regardless, will be the number one seed. And as long as they keep winning, they will be at home. Correct. So uh, keep checking out UWSYellowJackets.com, another plug for the website. But that's the best place to get the info yep. as to when and or who they will be playing through their run to the UMAC tournament. Same story for women's soccer. They're locked in right now, number three seed in the tournament, which means they will be on the road. Well, they're locked in one, two. They can finish first, second, or third. Oh, can they? Okay. They still can, yes. They'll be a top three somewhere. They're, they're going to be in the top three, which yeah. is uh, you know a, a big step for Coach DeGroat in that program. And... I think a lot of it has to do with what's about to happen in a couple hours. Yeah, in a couple hours. Uh, we talked about this a little bit in the open, alluded to it anyway. Bridge Battle 2019. Bridge battle. Yep. Uh, coming up this afternoon at Saints Field over in uh, Duluth against Saints Glasgow, 3.30 p.m. there. They've also got two more games yet left to play. So there's a they, they've got three games this week. So it's going to be busy for them. Uh, they're next in action after today's uh, matchup with the Saints. On Halloween night, they'll be taking on North Central at home. 7 p.m. I think that's a non-conference game. It's a non-conference not? match, yeah. and I believe it's a makeup. Okay. This was scheduled for earlier in the year, and and one of the rash of fall sport postponements that that was one of them that ended up going through that whole meat grinder. So yeah, this is a, a makeup match that is a non-conference. Okay, so that'll be a non-conference match, uh, 7 p.m. at the NBC Spartan Sports Complex. That'll technically be their last home game of the regular season anyway, until we figure out where everybody's right. going. Yep. And then uh, they will also be on the road for another makeup of a postponed match on the 2nd. This Saturday, they'll be taking on Martin Luther, 2.30 p.m. That game was uh, taken care of by Mother Nature. The first go-round was, uh, I guess, the, the story. The, the, sto- yeah. the guys got their game in, 
and then the uh, the rain had picked up a little bit between games and rendered the field unplayable. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know, so here we are trying to right cram so, this one in. Yeah, we're trying to shoehorn all these games in here at the end of the year, and then they're off to the UMAC tournament somewhere against somebody. Again, UWSYellowJackets.com, uh, the uh, your source for the information on that one. Women's volleyball final uh, road, I guess, uh, tournament of the year. Yep. Yeah, uh, they go on down over the weekend for four more, and yep, down uh, toward the Milwaukee area actually. Yep. Uh, Friday and Saturday, November first and second, they'll be at the 2019 Warrior Invitational. Hosted by Wisconsin Lutheran and West Alice. Friday, they'll be taking on Maranatha Baptist at 3 p.m. and then Beloit at 7. And then on Saturday, they'll be taking on Concordia St. Paul at 10 a.m. and then the host, Wisconsin Lutheran, at 12 p.m. before they come home. They are locked in. They are locked in. They are going to be taking on Bethany Lutheran, a team that actually, uh, I did a game on the radio against them for the Yellow Jacket women's volleyball team. She's a home game on the 19th. Yep, exactly. And that is locked in. It'll be the opening round of the UMAC tournament on. Monday, November 4th, that'll be a 7 p.m. opening serve. 6.40 will be the pregame. And uh, we'll catch up and see. Uh, hopefully they'll have a duplicate result as what they had against the Vikings the last time those two teams played. I sure hope so. Yeah, I mean, a three-set win against the Vikings last time and those two teams And it wasn't very up. close. And it wasn't very close. It was pretty straightforward. I think you said, what, 71 minutes, I 71 think. 71 minutes that one took. Yeah, you. that was a clean one. But uh, they are locked in. They are playing Bethany Lutheran. We do know that for a fact. Men's women's cross country, by the way, they're – Back in action this weekend. They took last week off. Uh, they'll be hosting the aforementioned and much anticipated, by the way, UMAC Championships for 2019 at Namaji Golf Club here in Superior. Saturday, November 2nd, 12 p.m. The men's race, women's race at 1 p.m. And I'd imagine that the preparations for that are ongoing, Mr. Garver? Preparations for that have been ongoing since probably May or June. Okay. Um, and, yeah, the, with the obviously an eye to the sky on this whole thing. He's the the stuff you just you don't think about when you're planning snow removal, right? Yeah, you know, and and what happens if we get some overnight snow to clear the course and all that. But Namaji's golf season has officially wrapped for 2019. So, That'll make it a little bit easier. Yeah, so there won't be any golfers out there that they have to contend with, and they're they're doing their winterizing of the course right now. But the uh, the course that the runners will be on that is that is open, and I believe Coach Drexler and the staff from Saint Scholastica are are out marking. Marking that course and uh, okay. looking at potential trouble spots, looking at where can we, in the event we do get a lot of snow, where can we plow to and how are we going to clear this and make sure that we have a, a good solid event here on Saturday. I know that the temperatures are supposed to be pretty chilly. Yeah, it's not going to be warm. Yeah, I don't know if there's any precip in the forecast though, is there? I, I'd have to go and, and look because um, okay. I at one time I heard there was going to be no, at one time I heard... There, there could be okay. like a 20% chance, whether it's rain, whether it's snow, whether it's a mix, who knows. Um, so I think you you always have to plan for it, obviously. Right, yeah. I mean, th- through this fall sports season, we've, we've right. got to plan for this sort of thing. So, But temperatures are going to be in the it's, high it's 30s, gonna be low a, 40s. It's going to be yeah. a cool day. It's, it's going to be, be cool. Cool, cool and crisp. Yep. So, yeah, that uh, Saturday event hosted by um, the Yellow Jackets. Again, at Imagine on the second. Women's hockey gets their season officially underway this week. It feels weird to say that, but... Yep. They do. They play two games at home at Westman Arena, both of them against Concordia, Wisconsin, on Friday at Westman Arena. 7 p.m., the opening face-off there, and then they'll take on the Falcons again on Saturday, 2 p.m. Yeah, and it's the uh, Friday night is uh, Food Pantry Friday. Okay. So we'll have the uh, the shopping cart out there at Westman Arena asking fans coming to the game, bring a non-perishable food item or two. And uh, donate those. All the everything we collect there goes right to the food pantry here on campus. That benefits the 
students of UW Superior, so it's a, a good cause and something we're excited to be doing throughout this year. So please be be generous to the the students that that have a hard time putting food on their table. Then Saturday is the uh, debut of the Full Metal Jackets for 2019-20. Oh, there you have it. They'll be playing their first performance of the year, and we're doing uh inflatable guitar giveaway that day. Inflatable, inflatable guitar guitars giveaway. For, I didn't know that was a thing. It but. is this year. Okay. First 50 <laughs> people in attendance will get their inflatable Full Metal Jacket guitars to play along with the band on, on Saturday. Oh, and, my. And then... Uh, you know, I probably should mention as well. Friday night, uh, seven o'clock face-off at Westman Arena. We'll have that one live on ninety-one point three KWS. Oh, nice. I didn't even know you were doing that. Yeah, game, that's but, my know. that's my de- broadcast debut for the year. So, oh, we'll nice. have that one live pregame show right around six forty-five. Uh, men's hockey is off this weekend after their two games. They are uh, off. Their two scrimmages. Yep, they are yep. off after their scrimmages, and they'll open a week from Friday, so the eighth. Against St. Mary's, and of course we'll have that one live on yep. KUWS as well. Pre-game show 6:40 on that one. Uh, men's basketball, meanwhile, has an exhibition coming up this coming Monday. They'll be taking on uh, UMD, and I'll be at Romano Gym over in Duluth. 7:30 p.m. The opening tip there. I'll mention to see what uh, Coach Polkowski's team looks like against actual competition, and what right. should be a pretty darn good UMD team. That'll so, be a good test. Yeah, it'll be a you'll, good test. You'll learn where you stack up. Some serious size on that UMD team this year. Um, I've had a chance to look at them up close and personal as well, and uh, they're going to be a handful. So that'll be an interesting one. And the women's basketball team plays two exhibitions in this next week. They're actually at Bemidji State on this coming Friday. That'll be 7 p.m. That should be an interesting contest. Uh, Yellow I Jackets. wonder if Bemidji has a little bit of a taste in their mouths after last year. The Yellow Jackets <laughs> yeah. went there and beat them. Yeah, the Yellow Jackets went up there and beat them 58-50 to in an actual game that was not an exhibition. They actually counted in the, in the standings, but uh, – that was like I think the game that kind of opened up everyone's eyes to how good the Yellow Jacket women were going to be last year. Right. Um, you know, after losing, as I mentioned in the interview with, with uh, Coach Zach Otto Fisher, losing four out of five stars, but they went up and beat the the Beavers by eight on their home court. So yeah, you can bet that Bemidji State's not going to be taking that game lightly. Nope. Again, seven p.m. the opening tip there, and they of course will be also playing UMD in exhibition play on that same Monday that the men are. Their game will start at five p.m. So that will be interesting. You know, to see how they stack up. Uh, UMD's women have lost a couple of, of key players from last year's team, but they're still going to be pretty good. Yep. They're still big in the middle, um, and they do bring back their starting point guard. So it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, they'll open their season, the women I'm talking about, on Friday, November 8th, the same uh, day that the men's hockey team and men's basketball teams open up their campaign. They're at UW-Stout, down in Johnson uh, Fieldhouse in Menominee on the 8th. Men's basketball will be taking on Marion at the Merrill Thompson Tip-Off Classic. That'll be at 8 p.m. That'll be a tape delay broadcast after your hockey broadcast. Digital delay. Digital delay. There are I'm no sorry. tapes there anymore. There are no tapes anymore. Digital delay. <laughs> Just a, a blanket statement, a blanket phrase for games that are delayed there that I use. Yeah, it'll be a digital delay against the Marion, and that's the tournament that uh, everyone is kind of looking forward to mm-hmm. because the first game that night <laughs> – is uh, that's a beauty. Yeah, Nebraska Wesleyan and St. John's going at it. That's a matchup of potentially two top five teams in the country at the Mertz. So yeah. if you get a chance, if you're a basketball person, check it out because that's going to be fun. It's going to be a beauty. I, <laughs> I know, like I said, you were a little bit uh, bummed out. I am. I am. I yeah. really am because I'd, I'd love to have a chance to see that one. But I'll, okay. give you, I'll give you an update when I'm there. Appreciate it. How about that? <laughs> well, I'm there. So that's what's coming up, but uh, it's a fun time, Mr. Garver. There's a lot going on. Yeah, it is. It is, and you're you're getting into those fall sport playoff games now, which right, are yeah. obviously of utmost importance. And you know, you got uh, teams that potentially have the NCAA tournament on the horizon, which is a great thing. And then you've got right. the birth of all these winter sports seasons, which you know is uh, 
a lot of fun for for the two of us because we get a little more time in the broadcast booth. Now. Yeah, so it's it's a great time of year, and it is. It's know, fun. Um, I'm excited for it. It's it's a great time to be Yellow Jacket too. It really it is. is. You know, I I think we, you know there's a chance that uh, all four teams can be pretty good. All the winter teams could be pretty good this mm-hmm. year. So that that's I think the, you know I think that's the kind of the the overriding sentiment is. You know, men's hockey brings back a lot. Women's basketball brings back three starters from last year's team that won 24. Men's basketball brings back – they're basically a whole new team. Yep. And then you have uh, women's hockey also bringing back a lot. So, um, yeah, it's a fun time. And uh, like you said, men's soccer on course for another trip to the NCAAs, which is always good. Women's soccer in the tournament. And women's volleyball, we know for sure, is going to be at home. Yep. With the playing One game. more time. Yeah, well, at least one more time. Well, well this, one more time guaranteed total. guaranteed to be their last yeah. one. Regardless of win or lose, yep. this is it. This, this is, is it. it. So – yeah, it's going to be a fun week, and uh, of course we'll cover all that in our next podcast. Sounds good. He's our engineer, Elliot Swear. He's the Big Sound Matt Johnson. I'm John Garber. Thank you very much for listening to this week's Eye of the Swarm. Mm-hmm.